0: Aaron, how's it going? Um, I'm excited to be back in the thick of it. Yes. We've got a new season. Long time no record. Season five. Season five. That's a significant number, really. It really is a significant number. Did you number.
1: think we would make it to five
0: when we started? I really wasn't thinking like that, I guess. I was just happy to be here. Um, but it is a bit surprising. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's a significant body of work at this point. Yeah. What's nice is that at this point, when I have
0: conversations with um, people I know about interesting topics, yes, I can just say, "Here,
1: we did an episode on that,"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I can let them do the homework.
1: Yeah, I'm working on a book project, and I, uh, for a recent chapter, I included two footnotes that pointed to our podcast. Hey, so all right, primary research. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> we're a we're a source. <laughs> we're a source, at least for ourselves.
0: <laughs> That's a place to start. Hey, the number of times I've cited myself in <laughs> in, in journals that I've published. <laughs> uh, w- so in season three, we did a we did a book.
1: Yes, right. Did I recall, okay
0: and I saw your copy as I walked into your house 20 ah. minutes ago. <laughs> the making of modern, the making of modern uh, Mormonism. Mormonism. Yep. Yeah. Season three was kind of a different season because we did that. Every, most most weeks, most most episodes, we. It's focused Focused on on one chapter.
1: Or at least directly connected to a chapter.
0: Right. But our other seasons, we've been kind of random. Like we've been doing stuff that we were interested in. Right. That kind of thing. And um, so, well, let's switch it back in the other direction. We've
1: got a source for season five. We do. We do have a source. This is uh, courtesy of friend of the show, Dula, who gave us his copy of BYU Studies, volume 60, number three yet to be revealed, open questions in Latter-day Saint theology, and suggested it might make a good season, and as it ends up, we agree with (laughs) him. It would make a good season. Um, You know, it is a bit cheaty to use somebody (laughs) else's research. (laughs) But kind of not. Yeah, kind of not also. (laughs) like if, If everybody was doing something original, there's no way to grow upon what's been done before. Plus,
0: the mission, as you will see as we talk about this this source is different than the show than our show in certain critical
1: interesting areas. And yet it is highly similar to what we do at the same time. Yeah, it is it's great. So let's first stop let's first talk about
0: um, BYU studies. Yes, okay okay BYU studies is a journal, right? It is of scholarly research. Been around for decades. Um, are the articles subject to peer review? Yes, they are. Okay, and um, I clicked on it. There's a submission process that you can submit journal articles mm-hmm. to. It's quarterly, from what I could tell. I believe that's right. I didn't. I wasn't prepared to answer that question, but I believe it's quarterly. <laughs> Might be quarterly. And the, the book that you're holding, the hard copy,
1: is thick. Yeah, it is 304 pages. So that's one quarterly issue, right? That's so, correct. Um, that's,
0: and it's really cool. And this title of this issue, like you said, Yet to be Revealed, Unanswered Questions. This yes. is really our, our wheelhouse. It right? really is. If you would describe Face and Hat as outside of the weeds versus in the weeds. <laughs> 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 yes, we are weed, uh, and we are in the midst of them. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, yet to be Revealed. Let's take a look um, as we get started here at some of the, um, just the chapter titles. So oh, you can yeah, see do that. why that we thought this was a really interesting thing to do.
1: Aaron. Yeah. Is God subject to or the creator of eternal law?
0: Okay. So it, this chapter title is a great one to pick first because it's, um, what is eternal law? And could these things be... Like contrary being subject to or creator of right. Right. Um, pick another one. Um, hey, hey, Aaron. Yeah. Is each atom an agent? Okay. Um, I remember having in on my mission hearing a talk about this specific subject mm. about how whether or not individual atoms have agency. Right. Uh-huh. Which is just nerd. A, which is just <laughs> a bizarre. It's such a bizarre thing to say, and yet it is these. Interesting, you know, distinct. I don't know about distinctly Mormon, but it is—it's
1: kind of distinctly Mormon. I mean, feels... maybe not,
0: maybe not totally uniquely Mormon, but definitely distinctly Mormon. Yeah, yeah. So, in other words, can atoms act for themselves? Yeah, which is <laughs> just, just nuts, but great. And
1: yeah, and uh, and most of the most of the chapter titles are questions like this, mm-hmm. or essay titles, perhaps I should say. And I really am interested just how limited post-mortal progression might be. To me, I think that's a really fascinating question. Uh, I look forward to talking about that again. Here's a couple chapter
0: titles that are exactly things that we've covered in the past, right? Okay, let's hear um, them. Uh, is the Bible Reliable? A case study, So, in a, and specifically, were King Josiah's reforms a restoration from mm. apostasy or a suppression of plain and precious truths? Why not both? And um, I, when I first read this, I thought I knew what it was talking about. I thought it was talking about how King Josiah, how the book of Josiah with the whole march around you know, Jericho, we talked about, we did... Oh, episode. Joshua, the oh, book okay. of Joshua. So we're going to cut that from the episode. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not because it's kind of funny. But here's one. Will things get better or worse before the second coming? We have talked about that. We've talked about that. More than one episode. Yeah, I'm really sure. it's one of my absolute favorite subjects. And so hearing some scholars talk about it would be great, right? Yeah. Here's the King Follett discourse, pinnacle, pinnacle or
1: mm-hmm. peripheral, right? Yeah. And oh. some things like that I don't really think are that important, but are fun to talk about, and we haven't, like, was Jesus married?
0: Yeah, the the epitome of something that is not that important, but also very interesting. Um, or kind of important, I guess, depending on how many you talk to. Yeah. Maybe I, it is really important. If we do that one, I I will tell the story of someone who thought this was really important. Right. Okay, so let's... Okay, so that's, that's, those are some of the topics. And here's what we're going to do, dear listener. Today... We're going to talk about the introduction to this issue, Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about the first chapter of this issue. But going forward, we're going to invite you, dear listener, to either join our Discord server or message us on Twitter
1: about which ones of these you'd like to go into, right? There are 20, 20 total essays. I think that's more than we usually do in the season. It's definitely more than we do. It we we aim for about ten episodes a season. Yeah, so it's about ten double. to twelve. Uh, it doesn't mean we couldn't do this again. Yeah, we if, might if it's going well.
0: Yeah, we're, I don't, we don't. We We make no guarantee that we'll cover them in order or that we'll cover them all. But I do want
1: to at least tell you which one we're doing next, generally. Yeah, we will. We will make an effort to make that decision before we end an episode. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, so why did we thought think that this would be a fun thing to do. Um, well, we like I like the idea of having a, a structure to hang a conversation on, right? I wouldn't consider this, dear
1: listener, a book review, right? No. No. We will be engaging with. And that is kind of what the essays do, too. To consider, consider what it says in the introduction. Uh, the essays here are not prescriptive they're descriptive they're not telling you what to think they're just describing what has been thought these essays do not promote they present it's not trying to say what latter day saints should believe it just shows what they have believed and the conversation around some of these complicated ideas Uh, you don't have to have listened to our show to know that there are very complicated answers to that question like what is women's relationship to the priesthood there's lots of answers to that question and it is not settled Mm -hmm. this okay so there's a couple critical points i wanted to point out there um, one is that
0: the topics presented in these in this issue are specifically matters of, I want to say doctrine, but I'm not sure that's the right. Well,
1: word. when we get to the first essay, we yeah. will discuss whether or not they're doctrine. Actually, it's really interesting how they're carefully positioning themselves as essays about theological questions and not doctrinal questions. And then the first essay, they show how we don't even exactly have a super clear definition of what doctrine is. Yeah. So, so let's call them theolog- the- theological um, persnicketies instead of doctrines. <laughs> but the point is they're not settled. They're not settled. The, the things that we're going to talk about... I mean,
0: some things in the scriptures are very clear.
1: Some And some things feel settled among uh, the current... The, one of the examples they give in the introduction is it's no longer a question of whether or not Adam is the father of our spirits as well as our bodies. We've reached a conclusion on that. The answer is no, and we've moved on. (laughs) It doesn't go in the book. It's a matter of settled law. Yes. We'll see in the... Whether or not Jesus is married is not something that we have received any clear answer to. Yeah,
0: that's right. And um, why spend time on nonsense that we don't know the answer to? Besides that it is fun? Besides that it is fun. Tell me, Aaron. (laughs) Well, besides that it's fun is this quote from Joseph Smith, which I thought was awesome. And this is, again, from the introduction, right? Yes. When you climb up a ladder, you must begin at the bottom. This is from Joseph Smith. And ascend step by step until you arrive at the top. And so it is with the principles of the gospel. You must begin with the first and go on until you learn all the principles of exaltation But it will be a great while after you have passed through the veil before you will have learned them. It is not all to be comprehended in this world. It will be a great work to learn our salvation and exaltation, even beyond the grave. Mm. Right? And that word there, it will be a great work to learn our salvation and exaltation. Right? To me, that's one of the reasons to do this. Okay? Is that... This is the stuff that may not be salvific. Oh, that's a fun word. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to use that word later. Um, not Meaning that it may not save your soul, right? But it's the kind of stuff that is part of our
1: whole universe as Mormons, right? Yeah, we, we are big believers in collecting truth. That's maybe the most constant drumbeat of our show. Is all truth belongs to Mormonism. And so maybe this stuff isn't necessary to know now, and it's okay if you don't, but you should be learning something, so why not this? Okay. Let me say the other part
0: that I was going to say, I was going to say how one way that we can deviate from yeah. their purpose, right? From who's their purpose? The scope of this quoting from the thing. okay, the scope of this publication follows its purpose, which might helpfully which might be helpfully described by comparing it to what it is not.
1: Ah, okay, okay? go on.
0: It is not prescriptive, but descriptive. And this is exactly what you were just reading, right? it is not face and hat. It It is not. (laughs) Go on, go on. I apologize. Right? Okay, continuing where you were reading before, the publication seeks not to fuel doctrinal disputes, but to diffuse them. There is no ammunition for those wishing to bring a contested doctrine into definitive resolution or to bring the spirit of contention (laughs) into a Sunday school class our purpose is exactly the opposite to model examples of respectful consideration of various points of view so their goal is to be is to talk about the views yes right and not to make value statements on them not to start fights not to start fights is that fights.
1: where you feel they're different than us
0: i think that <laughs> we have an opportunity to make some value statements on okay. some of
1: these if we want to I'll make a value statement right now. Okay. I'm glad you're saying doctrinal because I don't really like, like doctrinal. Oh, not, not, a, not a pronunciation I'm a fan of, so I'm glad you say doctrinal. Okay, oh, fair enough. <laughs> and if I ever say doctrinal, I apologize yeah. in advance, but it might slip out at some point.
0: What am I trying to say? I'm not saying that I want to bring contention into Sunday school, right? <laughs> what I'm saying is that um, we get to take this as a text, yes. right? And think about it, and where they leave... Like, for example, with the women in the priesthood thing. Well, right?
1: they're scholars, right? They're, they're describing the state of the conversation. Yeah. We are not scholars in that sense. Yeah. We can, uh, we can express our opinions. We don't have to... We're, we're not getting peer-reviewed. We're just putting this on the internet.
0: Yeah. That's, maybe that's the way I'm trying, I'm trying to say it. There's this idea that I had when I was reading this, that they are being fair and balanced, right? Yes. And um Which is a dangerous phrase because it invokes certain news networks. It's being co-opted uh-huh. dishonestly. But they're being fair and balanced, right? Yes. And when I say that we don't have to be, what I don't mean is that we're going to apply bias to what they're saying. What I'm saying is that we can be the peer review of what they're saying. We can read critically into what they're presenting. And if they're saying... And we cannot say we
1: agree or we disagree with some of the points. What do you think of this metaphor? Alma's just given us a whole bag of seeds, different kinds of seeds. Yeah. We're going to plant all of them. Each each essay has several seeds in it, and yeah. we'll water them and see which ones grow. Yeah. And we'll tell you which ones we think are the good seeds.
0: Yeah, which sounds really kind of presumptuous of it us. It is,
1: and no one should assume that we're right. Yeah, and not even that we're going to get anything right. <laughs> yeah i i mean a lot of what you'll be seeing is our um second impressions like we we will read it ahead of time we will come together and bounce ideas off each other this this is not anything we say should be assumed one of my favorite um quotations and i'm gonna get it wrong because i'm not bothering to look it up it's walt whitman and he says like uh what I, i disagree with what i said yesterday like like who cares right like so i disagree with myself i'm Human beings are complicated. If we're growing and changing our minds, that's a good thing. So, you are capturing us in a moment of time. Maybe this this
0: next statement is more similar to what I'm trying to say, right? Presenting side by side without resolution, a multiplicity of seemingly contrasting ideas is nothing new. Scripture is replete with this pattern, right? I love this next these next couple paragraphs, right? The Bible in particular, often eschews smoothing over and minimizing differences. Instead, this publication will present more than one righteous viewpoint for consideration. Proverbs' simple message that a person who pursues righteousness findeth life and honor, while the wicked perish, is quite different from the Ecclesiastes and Matthew's message that God sendeth rain on the just and unjust. Yes. So there are two contrasting views here, right? One is that God punishes the wicked. Yeah. (laughs) And the other is that God sends the rain to both. Yes. So which one is right, right? And, you know, I... And the article's goal is to present both of those, right? Our goal is to take those arguments and try to think about them and see if... They say to present side by side without resolution. right? Yeah. I'm curious to know, are there resolutions to some of these? That's what I'm curious.
1: You're a scientist, Aaron. Yeah. Maybe you can think of an example. But is it not true that in science, at times, there have been truths which feel very established and yet do not seem to agree with each other? And as time passes, science eventually is able to put the pieces together and show how every... like. Both sets of facts, as it ends up, were either correct or misunderstood in some way that makes them both correct. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, Oftentimes in science, though, um, like if you're making multiple measurements and you have an outlier, right? Uh Sometimes it's just an outlier, right? And then other times it's a really interesting data point that needs to be considered. Yes. Right? So... um, you could say that there are here are multiple measurements of this, of of what is truth, right? Yes. One of the things that I, I approach some of the... Here's the problem. Maybe this... I am, as you say, I'm a scientist. I f- am a firm believer in objective truth. Sure. Right? If it's every, your job. <laughs> if every one of these chapters says this might be true or this <laughs> completely different thing might be true, right? Yeah. That's frustrating (laughs) resolution please (laughs) i have my minor chord i play another note and now it's a major
1: chord where's that second note (laughs) yeah that's a fun point um i mean some of them are are binary right like is jesus married that's probably a yes or no question yeah um But I don't think that's one that you will get upset about if we can't resolve. No. Maybe I'm wrong. But this one about justice,
0: that drives me crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm teaching seminary now, right? Yes. Congratulations. (laughs) We should mention that in our first episode that Aaron's now the seminary teacher. Yes. And you were... I don't know how you did seminary and also record the show a few years ago.
1: Um, Well, that's why I was picky about which days we met because I was tired sometimes. (laughs) Um, So, but... One of the, I
0: mean, we're doing Old Testament right now, yeah, right, and darned if we aren't reading in Ecclesiastes. I
1: love it's Ecclesiastes, right. but a lot of people hate it because it doesn't seem very nice.
0: It's exactly nihilism,
1: right? Uh, I would argue no, but that sounds like a different episode. Like I really, <laughs> I really do love Ecclesiastes. I'm not big into nihilism, so but that's a, that's another conversation. But Opti- you're right, like, optimistic nihilism. On what it, on what it says is uh, a lot of what it says is the opposite of what people come to religion for. Yeah. Um, which is part of what I love about it because, um, I kind of like the complexities and the uncertainties and I do, need I my religion to recognize that, but that's not what everybody wants. And gosh, darn it. If the Bible is really good at giving people what it wants, because it's really good at giving people everything, which means if people read the whole Bible, they don't get what they want. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. Um,
0: and I should back off of my statement a little bit, <laughs> right? Which is that I want resolution. I I I wanna s I want to just talk about this stuff because it's fun. Right? Yes. But a lot of it actually is really meaningful to me, right? Sure. When um as I was saying about seminary, one of the things I, I tried to draw out of the kids when we were reading the prophecies of Babylon and how God will smite the wicked, yeah, right? Is what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, and I did, I, 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 I hope I got through, got that through to that because it's, it's crazy that yeah. God would smite the wicked, right? I look around and I see zero smiting. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I, it's, it's, so that's
1: an interesting contradiction, right? Yeah. When I think about a loving God. I think it also says a lot, and this will probably come up in more than one of their essays. Um, and we've talked about this a lot, but a lot of it has to do with the changing perspective of humans through history, and how we think about other people and what we think about God, and how that changes our interpretation of God's role in the world. Um, and so, a lot of things I think are hard to be settled because the people considering the question today are different than when, say, Martin Luther was complaining about the Epistle of James, like. He had his reasons, and it's a different era, and some people say similar things to him, and other people say different things than him, and it'll always be that way. It's always going to be a conversation. Um, this is probably true of every human endeavor, but it seems like in theology, it's until the celestial kingdom, there is going to be um, uncertainty and disagreement and room for discussion. So let's embrace the, the chaos.
0: Yeah, that's one of the topics i think is um
1: I don't remember that title that doesn't mean it's not real oh there's one about uh what is the nature of god's progress is that the one you mean yeah uh something i liked was the the end of the introduction it quotes joseph smith's famous quotation by co- proving contraries, truth is manifest and in the footnote i learned some things about that quotation which i hadn't known go ahead and what's the quotation uh so the, so in here's the full quotation and to set it up um, Joseph Smith had sent a thank you letter to a gentleman who had put together a, um, a book which was different religions explaining themselves. So Joseph Smith had had the opportunity to explain his faith, his religious tradition that he was founding to a broad audience, and the editor just put it in. And so Joseph Smith sent him a thank you note. And he thought it was a good way to do it. And the full quotation is this. Although all is not gold that shines, any more than every religious creed is sanctioned with a so eternally sure word of prophecy, satisfying all doubt with, thus saith the Lord, yet by proving contra- contrarieties, truth is made manifest. So a couple of interesting things about that. One, uh, he say contrarieties instead of contraries. I'm glad we've cleaned that up in our <laughs> tradition. Um, two, in the letter just sent, that most quoted portion about by proving contrarieties, truth is made manifest. Is also marked as a quotation, which suggests Joseph got it from somewhere else. Though apparently nobody's found where he got it from, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what's fascinating to me is that this was this was almost a way of embracing all other religions. I mean, Joseph Smith's origin story is like no religion's good enough. Yeah, and yet um, here he is, like embracing every religion as containing some sort of truth. In every tradition as having value. And so on the macro level of different faiths, that's great. But I think that's applicable also to the project we're on this season. Within each subject, there's going to be different points of view, and each of those have value. And by proving contraries, the truth will be made manifest. And so let's, let's, uh, let's embrace Joseph Smith's call to proving contraries, and, and uh, let's dig on in. Proving contraries... Is it,
0: I, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> I, I think what it means is that it's, it doesn't mean that you're proving that two things are con- that are contrary are both true. Yeah. It means by grappling with the contraries and finding your way through them and finding you find truth on the other side of those contraries. This is something that Terrell Givens talks about a lot in People of Paradox, which is a book we've mentioned before. Isn't there something about bread? Bread? And dough. Bread and dough? I don't know where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) This is just um,
0: right after the part that you were reading. A common 19th century usage of the word prove meant something else, other than today's, to demonstrate conclusively by evidence. And I think you had called this out before we started the show, that you liked this next bit. You know what? I think I didn't finish reading this paragraph. <laughs> Rather,
1: proving
0: was to find out by experience or to test quality by measurement, right? Mm-hmm. Consideration and, by allow- and allowing it to manifest. So bakers follow a similar sense of the word when they give dough time to prove, letting the yeast do its work before it enters the oven. These meetings of proof suggest that a fuller understanding of truth can come by keeping multiple perspectives in mind and letting them work themselves out in patience in God's own time, like fruitful leaven. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's the end of the introduction. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before is that I was, I was, I was wanting resolution, right? Mm. One of the, They say in this, they call it out many times. That their goal is to present, um, not opposing viewpoints, but different understandings of theological questions. Yes. Right? And without making a value statement as to which is correct. Okay? And, um, but here they say the reason you do that is to let them prove. Right? Yeah. To let them cook. And eventually they will work themselves out in God's own time.
1: It could well be that the debate, like the within the church debate, has value in helping us grow um, and preparing us to understand something. Um, I, th- I think that what you're saying is that it's being done on purpose. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm willing to accept the possibility that it's not that God is lazy or that we're not um, worthy, mm-hmm. but that there's value in us not knowing things. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a student in lunch today who likes to argue, is what he says. He comes in at lunch, but basically what he wants to do is just disagree with people and tell them they're wrong about whatever the subject is. Uh-huh. And Are you sure you're remembering this correctly? <laughs> or are you wrong? Unfortunately, see, I've had this I, conversation I, with him so many times. See, I, I did it back. Yeah. So. Um, are you familiar with the Monty Python sketch about the guy who goes in for an argument Oh, the argument class. or argu- yeah, Oh, yeah. he buys an argument. He buys an argument, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll include a link in case you don't know. But <laughs> um, I, I asked him to listen to that today. and He was very offended because he doesn't think he's just contradictory. <laughs> and he spent <laughs> the next 20 minutes saying, I'm not contradictory. I can't believe you would say that. I'm definitely not contradictory. <laughs> so um, I don't think there's any value in that. But I do think there is value in not being sure what the right answer is and, and ha- bringing humility to these questions. Yeah. And uh, debating them from a position of vested interest, but not desperation. Like, it's okay not to know. And
0: that's a critical point, that it's okay not to know. Um, and I, but this sentence kind of gives me faith that someday we will know. Yeah. Um, eternity is a long of, time. If we think of, of eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, do so, let's do an example. Our case study of of what it means to present alternative interpretations of something without actually deciding which interpretation is correct is super meta. Is super duper meta, <laughs> and it is the first um, chapter article, the first article. An article works for me by Michael Goodman called "Oh Say What Is a True Oh Say What Is a". Oh, say what is truth. Thank you. <laughs> Approaches to doctrine. In um, other words, what is doctrine? Yeah. What does the word doctrine mean? And this is so philosophy 101. Yeah. You like semantics? <laughs> well, we got, semantics we, got, right here, we got your semantics right here, baby. We got semantics right here. Right? And why, so why is,
1: why is it important to know what the word doctrine means? Well, we use the word a lot. We sure do. Uh, he did um, a qualitative um, survey of how the word "doctrine" was used in General Conference by uh, members of the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve over was it thirty years, and had thousands of instances. It's just a word we use a lot.
0: In fact, I would divine. I would um, I would separate this into into a couple different sections. Mm-hmm. Right. First, what he does is he does primary research. Yes. Right. Where he does what you just said. Is look at the usage of the word doctrine over the last thirty years in conference talks, yeah. and try to figure out a way to distinguish the, between things that are not doctrine and things that are. But then he does a survey of of other people's perspectives, um, how other people have defined what doctrine is. Okay. Yes. So before we get into that, I want to first make find I want to first quote why this kind of thing is important, right? Um, Remember what I said earlier, I am a firm believer in objective truth, right? Yeah, yeah, so you claim. I love, I'm getting that phrase from the good place? Objective truth? (laughs) It's possible. Hey,
1: it's callback.
0: It's a callback. (laughs) I feel like the good place has that phrase in it somewhere. Um, Oh, it's a smell. It's a smell. Is objective of truth a smell in the good place? Is. It is. In the good place, Chidi um, smells objective truth. I think it, it smells maybe... like warm pretzels. That sounds familiar, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, statements by church leaders abound, extolling the virtue and power of truth. But such statements often beg the question, what is truth? Scripture says that truth is knowledge of things as there are, as they are. And as they were, and as they are to come, church curricular material further states that divine truth is absolute reality. <laughs> it's my and, favorite kind of reality. And truth is eternal. In the in theology of the church, truth is intrinsically connected to God. Right?
1: So, we're going to start with the word truth. Uh-huh. Right? Which is what I thought this article was going to be about. But it, but ain't. it ain't. It isn't really. It isn't. It's about doctrine. Yes. And doctrine is different. Yes, which is a very fascinating point, and I'm convinced of it. Okay, Tell it us. is true that your shirt is sort of a burgundy color yeah. that is not doctrinal. It is not a doctrine. It's not. It a may doctrine. be true
0: that it's a fantastic shirt <laughs> that my wife picked out for me, and I love it. But that doesn't mean that it's doctrine. Yes, not all true things are doctrines. Okay, but all doctrines are true. Uh, they should be, yeah. Uh, if we've identified something properly as a doctrine. Yes. Okay. So, how, what is in Who cares?
1: <laughs> well, I think it is important because it, it leads to some confusion, right? Because we talk a lot in the church about doctrine being unchanging. Yeah. But, uh, Aaron. Yeah. I hate to tell you this. Yeah. You know why your shirt color is burgundy? Uh-huh cuz that's a kind of wine and yeah. that's the color. Do you, do you know who drank wine? <laughs> Jesus I sure did. <laughs> so if doctrine is eternal and unchanging and the word of wisdom is a doctrine then we have a problem. Yeah. So this is why it's important to identify what are what is doctrines,
0: right? And what is practice or policy because the one is sat- sat- satisfying right doctrines they really are when you learn them and you feel the spirit right and the truth testifies to you from god there's something like i would i would even say if you don't mind religious about it <laughs> <laughs> right but when something is not a doctrine but has been upheld for hundreds of years mm-hmm. right that puts up the kind of paradox that can lead to doubt faith, doubt and apostasy. Yes.
1: Uh, a classic example we've talked about on the show is the 1978 revelation on the priesthood. Yeah. That was not a doctrine. It was never a doctrine because anything that at some point is not doctrine is never a doctrine. Yeah. It was a policy. It was a bad policy, yeah. almost certainly caused by the weakness of human beings. Um, but it was taught and described as doctrinal. And so when you go switch around doctrines on people, it's painful because doctrines are supposed to be true and unchanging. And um, and uh, I don't know if you have stories like this, but my parents know people who left the church in 1978 mm-hmm. because they could not accept black people having the priesthood. Yeah. So um, I, I mean, it seems a little unfair to blame that, blame that entirely on doctrine because I imagine if you embraced... The more important doctrines, <laughs> maybe that would carry you through. Let's talk about this first definition. I don't think we're going to cover
0: all of them. I like the one that Michael Goodman actually proposes here, right? So what he did was he, he went through and he did this survey, as you yeah. say, of the word doctrine. And what he found was three... Um, criteria? Three criteria. Um, Descriptors? Yeah, of what doctrine... Identifying traits? Uh, what doctrine is... And for something to be a doctrine, according to this definition... It must right, be all three. It must be all three. Right? And the three points are, is it eternal? Mm-hmm. Is it salvific? Okay. I mean, just three cheers to Michael Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> what a great word. <laughs>
1: you know, out of, context, out of context, that could be, like, it could be saliva or... <laughs> it. it it feels like salving yeah yeah it, it, i'm glad in in context it's fine and if you're a theologian professionally it's fine but i worry about that just showing up in my everyday life and me not oh come on it's jump jo- it's joining my it's vocabulary. It's entering your vocabulary yeah, salvific <laughs>
0: because it sounds so much like terrific dang oh that's salvific <laughs> On, that on the side I'm, of I'm not
1: saying it's not a good word i do like it all right, all right. i just um yeah and then i'm not th- sure it's going to become an everyday <laughs> word for me
0: <laughs> and then the third criterion is is it being taught by the first presidency and quorum of the twelve? and this is figure one um which is great we have mm-hmm. figures
1: with figure legends yeah he has nice captures. pictures that he drew to describe the various ways of identifying doctrine other scholars have proposed so what's cool about
0: this particular definition is that it follows directly from First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, teachings. Mm-hmm. For each one of these, he has specific examples where they talk about what is doctrine and why is it, and what when you look at a truth, you can describe it if it's doctrine. Um, let's just go over them really quickly. Um, is it eternal? So what does it mean for a doctrine to be eternal? It's unchanging. It's always a doctrine. Yeah. So, um... Word of wisdom is disqualified here. Mm-hmm. It is. Parts of the word of wisdom are. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps not all of the word of wisdom. Let's not put, throw the thing, whole, whole thing under the bus.
1: Yeah. I, oh, I don't intend to be doing that. Since, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Um,
0: but is it solved? okay. So that's eternal. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. In order for a, in order, I think that this is really a prerequisite of religion, Right. I need to know eternal truths. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Right? I need to know that God is the eternal father. Yeah. Right? I need to know that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I need to know what that means. Yeah. And I need it to be eternally true. Right? Um, that's, you know, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> okay? The second one, is it salvific? Okay?
1: Yes. If it's not relevant to your salvation... Then it, it doesn't reach the high bar of being a doctrine.
0: And one of the things that Michael, or doctor, Michael Goodman, uh, in his bio doesn't say. Bio doesn't say. One of the things that Michael Goodman says. Call him Mickey. <laughs> I would not. I would not presume. <laughs> <laughs> I am certainly not on that first name basis. Um, but um, one of the things he says is that these definitions are often useful in their exclusionary form.
1: Yes, it's a little easier. I mean, there are borderline cases where it's hard to say exactly what is salvific. Yeah. Um, Because if you must obey the commandments for salvation, just as a proposal, that I think is debatable. But um, if you must obey the commandments, and if the Word of Wisdom is currently a commandment, then it's salvific because you must obey it to be salvationized.
0: Perhaps David... A. Bednar explained it, this explained this most cogently. A gospel doctrine is a truth, a truth of salvation, revealed by a loving Heavenly Father. Gospel doctrines are eternal, do not change, and pertain to the eternal progression and exaltation of Heavenly, Fa- Heavenly Father, sons and daughters. Doctrines, such as the nature of the Godhead, the plan of happiness, and the atonement of Jesus Christ, are foundational, fundamental, and comprehensive. The core doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ, are relatively few in number. And then later it says, saving doctrine, saving truths, or essential
1: to or for salvation. Right? I like this idea of them being relatively few in number. Um, something I've noticed former members of the church say a lot online uh, is that um, statements like um, something like the K Packer statement earlier in this article that procedures programs administration change but uh, uh, principles doctrines don't change that sort of thing is that it's just a way to change things and say well those were never doctrine in the first place and and that's one way to interpret it but I, i think the better way to interpret it is a sort of humility that ultimately there are very few things which are doctrines and the rest of it is what we get to fumble around with as a church and we get to try to figure out better ways to do things And um, I think that you can interpret all these statements by the leadership of the church as a sort of humility, that they are willing to limit the number of things that they are confident enough on a definitional level to call doctrine. And those things are limited to what's eternal and what's um, salvific, but there just also aren't that many of them. What, yeah, I I've also really like that, about how there's
0: not that many. Because it simplifies things. One of the things that, as a Nephi says, mm-hmm. he glorifies in plainness or something. Yeah, like, Right? And then, of course, cites Isaiah a lot. <laughs> He's also, like, complicated. <laughs> <laughs> he does say that he delights in Isaiah, which I am, I am finding, by the way, as I do seminary this year, that I am also delighting in Isaiah. Isaiah is easier to
1: delight in when you really spend time with him. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's been I've I've been really enjoying it, um, okay. But my point is though that plainness and simplicity, right? These are these are the important fundamental doctrines. I like that. Um, right. That's a value statement. I just yeah. I, I like that. That's a value <laughs> statement. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put a value statement on this last one too. Okay. Okay. Is it being taught by the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve? I love this one. Okay, go and on. I'm going to say why. Because it is so fundamentally different than academic research in, like, uh, the physical sciences. Uh-huh. Okay? And here's what I mean. Is it being taught by the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve means... I'm gonna take a person, right, mm-hmm. and just because they said something, that's enough. Yeah. Right. I. Th- that is so different than than I- than anything that I normally deal with on a day to day life in it's my true. job. Yeah. In my environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Every other thing in my life invokes doubt and debate, right? Um, especially when it comes to research, mm-hmm. right? It's not enough to say, I observed this. You need to say, I observed it 10 other times, and so did they. Right. Right? <laughs> and so did this machine. Like, here's the readout, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool. Here we're just saying... They said it, and that's enough.
1: Well, as long as it's also eternal and salvific. Yeah, right, yeah. and consistent. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say that here. No. Well, I've, he kind of did. It's, it's implied. It's I think. implied. That yeah.
0: That being has been taught over the last 30 years. He does years.
1: mention somewhere that uh, like there are things that not everyone talks about. And even if right now as the apostles travel from stake to stake, if they're all saying something similar about ministering, um, that doesn't yeah. turn into a doctrine. Yeah, because it's still not eternal. But I, okay, it's something wa- that changes.
0: I wanted to say something else about that, though. Even though I said that I love it, yes. it is fundamentally frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was because I we at the end of this conversation we can't list for you a list of doctrines. No, not without a great deal of research and study and prayer. Probably,
1: and even then, it's none of our business to be telling you what the list of doctrines is. That's right, they make it very clear. Because we are not in the intro, in that third <laughs> leg of the stool, we are not apostles and prophets, seers and revelators.
0: Okay, but this is only one way to think about what doctrines are, right? And there are several that are presented here. Yes, just to cover a few of them, right? Um, what is a what is a what is a level of authoritativeness right mm-hmm. you can have canonical doctrine right or it's stuff that is part of our scriptures yes this is the Armand
1: moss uh moss or mouse i always thought it was moss but now that you mention it i'm not certain that i know that it sounds like gauss yeah it does look like that big, i mean big, i know his phenomenon. name very well but i'm not sure i've ever i don't know we're
0: going to leave this kind of stuff in, man. The viewer gets, yeah. the, the listener gets the stuff, man. Yeah,
1: you, you can feel
0: smarter than us because you know. <laughs> <laughs> so canonical doctrine, and then less than that is official doctrine, right? And then authoritative doctrine, and then popular doctrine, right? So it's the spectrum of uh-huh. where you find the teaching as to whether how authoritative it is, right? Yes. But again, I'm not going to put a value. At this point, I'm going to refrain from value statements, Right? Yeah, let's just maybe bump to some of the other. Yeah, sustained as canonical or official, right? Simple yeah. question. Has it been sustained by church membership? Into the canon. Into the canon, right? So, yeah. you know, think of official declaration two was sustained. Yeah, and added to scripture in right. an official way. So um, here's one. Uh, this is by Robert Millett, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something is doctrine if it's in the standard works, official declarations, approved curriculum, and general conference. Yeah, and the and there I think is important. He's drawn this Venn diagram, but only the doctrine is in the intersection.
1: Yeah, everything that hits all those points or appears in all those points.
0: Right? Am I wrong about that? Something uh, based
1: that on based on his quotation, it appears to be that way. But it is worth pointing out that um, he quotes the individual categories. The and is his own word. The yeah. word of our friend, Michael Goodman. Yeah, so it's, I, and yeah, it makes uh, sense because... Because official, frankly, there aren't that many themes official, that are in the official doc- yeah, declarations yeah. that really limits what can be... A... Yeah, so that makes more sense, is that yeah. just are just criterion, as it were. Yeah. yeah, and you can judge how doctrinal it is based on where it fits here. Okay, a hermene- herm uh, Hermeneutic. Okay, just say it again.
0: Hermeneutic. Okay, are you, <laughs> are you doing something on purpose there? Is uh, no, I know. I
1: believe it is pronounced hermeneutic. Yeah, I believe that's correct, <laughs> although... <laughs> You know, this is not what I went to school for. Uh What, English? Uh, No, hermeneutics. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I was going to say, to the contrary. (laughs) I know
0: what you do for a living. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this one is fun because it is, what is doctrine? It's stuff that God answered your prayers about. Mm. I'm I'm being overly simplistic here. But I think that that one is cool. And this goes back to what my... um, what I told you before about the pearl network necklace—my my favorite analogy, one of my favorites—that my mom taught me in seminary, mm-hmm. right? Which is every time you have a doctrine that you don't know about, you pray about it. If you get an answer, right, and then you tie it, you tie a little knot around it on your pearl ne- necklace. So when you when you oh. have some kind of faith destroying crisis, right? It doesn't it, fall off. It, when it breaks, the pearls don't scatter all over the room. There are some things you've already locked in. Oh, that's interesting. And you can keep you can look back. No, I know that Christ is real. Yeah. Right. I know that the Book of Mormon is, is true. That's I had these I answers hold to. before. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So that's kind of what they're going on in here. And then, um, I think we're kind of out of time. But um, there's one last one, which is um, from core to esoteric. It's very similar to the Armin Maas version, just unchanging truths. Shaped differently. Supportive. And so core supporting policy and esoteric. Yeah. Um, And um, yeah, I think it's really good because it's our, this is the last bit of the thing, right? Mm -hmm. He's quoting um, Joseph Smith. I never, I never feel to force my doctrines upon any person, and I rejoice to see prejudice given away to, away to truth and the traditions of men dispersed by pure principles of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Unquote. In this spirit, each member has the right and responsibility to, quote, seek learning even by study and often and also by faith. Unquote. Yes. So in other words, here are some tools. Use mm-hmm. them to distinguish between doctrine and non-doctrine. Which is a very Mormon way to go about this. Yeah, it is. That's kind of how I want to approach the, these various these articles. articles. Yeah. Right? I want to talk about them, see where we agree or disagree. Um, and I feel like I'm going to learn a lot. And I hope, uh, listener, that you come along with us. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. Okay, Eric, before we wrap up, Yes. Before we wrap up, two questions. Two questions. Um, First, if you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but you enjoy listening to our show, of which there's a few, and we enjoy having you, yes, why would you care about a bunch of Mormon-specific
1: debates? Um, Probably for whatever reason you're here already. (laughs) 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 But honestly, like the the journey is. I mean, I don't know about you, but I uh, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. But one of the ones I listen to is about. Legal issues, and I'm never going to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, The details of uh, like obscure legal points don't have much direct effect on my life, but I find the progress of listening to people explore the 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 ideas within the legal field quite fascinating. So maybe it's a similar experience.
0: I think that there's um, even if you're not LDS, that there are definitely reverberations of the philosophy that we're going to be talking here, right? Sure. And I think in many religions. So I think that there's going to be places, things to find.
1: Most of this stuff is not unique to us. And even things that might seem to be unique to us, um, Mm -hmm. for instance, the article on the Book of Mormon translation process, have broader applicability.
0: Okay. And
1: what are we doing next time? Well... Have you ever seen Pollyanna, the Disney movie? From oh the 60s? man,
0: I not on purpose. Okay. I think
1: I remember commercials for it, and it looked so ponytail. <laughs> yeah, that, that's accurate. Um, and Pollyanna is just she's so nowadays like I would probably optimistic enjoy it. in all ways. But my favorite part of that movie, which I've not seen since uh, the year 2000, I remember very clearly the last time I watched it. I saw it several times as a child because my sister loved it. But is uh, the preacher? They go to. the They go to church and he's a grumpy old preacher and his sort of slogan is, death comes unexpectedly. And he says it over and over again Uh, and he makes the chandelier shake. He says it so loudly. But you know what, Aaron? Yeah. Death often does come unexpectedly. (laughs) Indeed. Maybe we should worry a little bit about what happens after we die. Okay. Which means? Which means we have a pair of articles, uh, one called How Limited is Postmortal Progression, which is about you. Uh And what is the nature of God's progress, which is about God. But they look like they might be connected. So
0: we don't know if we're going to do them both in one show or if we're going to split them up, but that's kind of where we're going next. TBD. Yep. And um, again, join us on Discord if you want to talk about what things that you want to see. In the show notes, you'll see a link to the table of contents for the issue um, and the articles that we cited today. Um, You can follow me at Aaron Brewster.
1: And I am T-H-M-A-Z-I-N-G at the whole Twitter place yep where you can follow us at face and hat for the show and do join our discord it's not super active but we are there and we are interested in talking with you so please join us our music is by daniel foster smith and that's it thanks bye bye